Hello, friends, and welcome to The Interesting Hour. I am your host, Justin Kupinoff, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Devesh Verma. Hi, everyone. Did you guys know I was going to say Devesh Verma like that? It's typical at this point, I think. Yeah, you pretty much do it the same every time. I try to. Not that I try to, it's just I have no idea how else to do it, so it just kind of happens that way. I'm very like in fear of being in the moment, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. That's scary because we're recording live right now. Anyways, Anyways. (laughs) we have uh, Macy McKenney on today, artist extraordinaire. Graphics artist extraordinaire. Yes. Yes. But before that, today's episode is brought to you by... Core Foundation. Core Foundation is a multimedia nonprofit. Check us out at cor-foundation.org. Subscribe, donate, buy some shirts, check out our social media engagement stuff and do things with things. We have Macy McKenney on the show today. And she is from Simon Says Macy, uh, dot com. Uh, you can check out a lot of her work there. We discuss a lot of her work in this episode, and it would do you well if you would just you know check out that site and look at the work she is like selling and being contracted to do or commissioned to do. It's it's the cutesiest stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like she's got her own style, and it's she owns it. Yeah, and it, it, it's 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 a signature style, I think. Also, for mm-hmm. it, it, there's like there's this level of perfection that you know she has in her work. So, um, I highly recommend you guys look at SimonSaysMacy.com either before the episode or while the episode, if you're safely not driving and or after, just check it out at some point. Yeah, and uh, she's got a really great story about how her success came about. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna hear all about it and yeah. tips and tricks for anybody uh, looking into getting into that. Yeah, this is, well, this is supposed to be very insightful for anyone who just really needs uh, some guidance on how to like get to where they want to go or like just follow their dreams. Really, get ready to get inspired. Yeah, man, or just you know be happy. All right. Check out her TEDx talk too. Oh yeah, she's a TEDx speaker. And let's just listen to the show now. One, two, three, four. And we got Macy McKenney in the house. Macy, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Pretty good. Pretty that, awesome. She asked how we were. I I'm know. doing fantastic. That's I great. I've never, never been interviewed on the show. I'm <laughs> <laughs> doing fantastic, <laughs> Macy. <laughs> no, thanks so much for coming out. Really appreciate it. Yeah. we. You've had a very interesting story, uh, and it's been getting some attention. <laughs> You've been featured in BuzzFeed, I think, back in like 2015 or something like that, 2014. Um, and then also you had a TEDx talk uh, on happiness. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty uh, much. Happiness. Um, so clearly we had to get you on the show. <laughs> so, yeah, so thanks for coming on board. Um, we definitely want to dive into just how you got started in this and like this just your story, like anyone who wants to get into being a graphics artist and making a business out of it, and just because you have an old school approach too, you're very physical with your work as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I um, I'm I'm mostly a sculptor now. I still do a little bit of graphic design on the side uh, when someone close to me needs it, but I've pretty much transitioned completely over into um, into sculpting full time. That's so awesome. Was this something that you were doing as a kid? Were you big on the Play-Doh uh, <laughs> or, uh, and doing artwork as a kid? I did all kinds of artwork as a kid. It wasn't necessarily sculpting focused. I definitely mm-hmm. did like Play-Doh. I've always been a really tactile person, but I really kind of was all over the place. I like to draw and paint and work with perler beads and make jewelry and all kinds of stuff. What's so, a, a perler um, bead? Hands on. The perler, perler bead? There are those little, um, like you'll see like video game and like 8-bit cartoon characters made out of them. They're like these little beads that you put on like a grid and they make 
little like eight bit characters. Oh yeah, and then you like iron over it or something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you understood that. I still don't know what a perler bee is. <laughs> <laughs> like no idea. No one if you saw them. <laughs> yeah, it's great for making yeah, like little Mario's or eight bit type things. So Macy, <laughs> you've always been like crafty. It seems super crafty. Yeah, super into art. Really anything that I could get my hands on. I mean, my Christmas and birthday presents and everything when I was little were always kits to do different art projects. And so I've really worked with just about every medium out there. That's so cool. So your family was like fully supportive of like just your artistic ability, creativity, building, creating things. Oh, absolutely. I think that they recognized pretty early on that that's what I was going to go into. Um, my mom always tells me that when I was little, the only thing I would ever want to do with her is say, Mama, draw with me, draw with me. And she got so <laughs> tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> was she a good artist herself? You know, that's it's funny you say that. She actually really is. When I was younger, of course, I noticed that. I thought that she was amazing, but she always told me, you know, oh, you're going to be so much better than me someday. Like, this is nothing, blah, blah, blah. But she's a really crafty and creative person herself, and she just got into painting um, just in this last year or so, and she is amazing. Like, she's surprising herself. I'm like, I told you. I had to get it from somewhere. So <laughs> you probably inspired her a little bit. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, she she tells me that I do. So oh, that's great. That yeah. is really cool. That's such a sweet mother daughter moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the best. That's so cool. So you had a lot of support growing up, and that's really cool. Like some, so you had people at the house, kind of just nurturing you, just kind of nurturing the skill of yours, just this curiosity with art, rather. Oh, absolutely. My, I mean, my parents were really great. Anything that I showed any interest in in at all art or otherwise um they really fostered that and made sure that i had the opportunity to explore that so i really had a leg up there were they like so were they active in finding like extracurricular things you can do or just courses in school like like let's say some a, a student is listening to this episode right now like what can they do to get involved like in from high school junior high whatever is there like a woodshop class equivalent to what oh, you got okay. going on well, here's a really interesting thing. So, yeah, they they were they were really supportive in taking you know different courses in school and out of school. Um, they would plan extracurricular things for me. They would they made me an entire swim team when I wanted to swim. Like they they were what? really supportive. Wait wait, yeah. wait 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 back that up. You say they made an entire swim team. <laughs> Yeah, when we joined, we joined a country club, and I wanted to swim, and so my mom helped create the swim team for that club, which is now a really awesome team. So my parents are really oh, incredible. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you know, <laughs> great. That, talk about bending over backwards for your kid. Like I'll just create a whole entire swim team. For her. <laughs> <laughs> if we build it, they will come. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's super awesome of them. So sorry, I cut you off. What what, what else has it got? Yeah. Um, so one thing that, um, that my mom urged me to do when I was in school and she really sort of opened up the pathway for this is when I got to high school, um, they, they had sort of started, or I guess, let me back up. They had st started me getting me interested in graphic design because they could tell that I was going to go into a field of art. They knew that that's definitely what I was going to do. And they wanted me to be able to put food on my table and pay my rent, you know, and not have that like typical starving artist persona, especially like when I was just starting out. So as any really, decent parent would want for their kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was definitely the right thing to do. And I've learned a lot of really good things from being a graphic designer, which I'll touch on a little bit later. But, um, yeah, so they, they were sort of gently guiding me towards graphic design and I took to it. You know, I really, really enjoyed, of course, first starting off using Photoshop. I was like in middle school, I think when they got me Photoshop and Illustrator and those things. And I started tinkering around in those and learning the programs. Um, so by the time I got to high school, I really kind of had exhausted the design program, art programs. Um, there wasn't really anything for me left in the curriculum. So, um, what my mom 
proposed that I do was go to a different, uh, a different school system. It was a, like our sister kind of school system. Um, they had a technical school called Broadmoor technical school. And so I, my junior and senior year of high school would leave my school halfway through the day in all of my, um, all of my like extra curriculars or not extra curriculars, but I can't remember what you call them. Like, you know, the things that you yeah. can choose to do outside of like math. The clubs. Electives. The electives. Yeah, the clubs. Yeah, the and, yeah, Thank you, the electives. So all my electives were graphic design because I, I went to that technical school for a graphic design class that was really hands-on halfway through the day. So that was a really, um, a really a big leg up for me as well. So that was something that uh, we had to petition for me to go to another school district to do, but was super, super worth it. And uh, now, <clears throat> from what I understand, I, when I when I left, you know, and went to college, it's something that other people from my school do as well. So, sort of paved the way for um, kids to be able to go explore their interests in a more in-depth way because our school district didn't have anything like that. That's amazing. Did that cost any money? It did not. Really? No, just had to get permission from both of the schools uh, for me to leave one district and go to another to specialize in graphic design. And did your parents like have to create another team for this or did they like talk with <laughs> the like, like who were they talking to? Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's what I mean. Like how do they had to like, I didn't like just me in general, like my school didn't have uh, like a, you know, a robust film program in high school, but if I had known there was like another program somewhere else, I would have had my parents talk to them or something like that, you know? So, you know, it's just the, it's just the kind of people that they were, um, or that they are, excuse me, if my parents are still around, um, um, and they're still very supportive, but, um, yeah, they, anything that I was interested in, like I said, they researched it exhaustively and tried to find out where I could get the best experience in that field. So, I mean, I can't say that I would have, thought to do that on my own. You know, I really owe a lot to them. So, right. so yeah, it was great. Well, so you were doing this, it's obviously not what you're doing right now. You're doing something very different right now with your life. But at, at that point in time, when even when you were younger and you were taking these classes, was it ever like, okay, yeah, I love to do art and, and this is a way to do it, but this still kind of isn't exactly what I want to do. Did you know that then and you were just kind of going through the motions or were you like, this is it, this is what I want to do? Um, I think, well, it's kind of an interesting question. So my parents have never steered me wrong. And so when they started steering me into graphic design, I kind of went into it blindly thinking, oh, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. You mm-hmm. know, so I, I was very, very, I trust my parents very much. And so mm-hmm. I kind of accepted that as like, I am going to be a graphic designer. Although I did know that I liked other kinds of art better than graphic design. I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I could make a living off of it. Right, um, right. I, you know, I always knew that it was very difficult and to this day it is still is diff- very difficult. And so I thought it was very sound logical advice and it was a way for me to still be creative um, while making money. And my, what my parents told me after I quit my job and decided to start, start sculpting full time, which I don't actually remember, but I'm sure they probably told me, um, <laughs> they, they always knew that graphic design was just going to be a stepping stone until I found my niche. So they were very well aware in their hearts that it was just something that I was going to do until I found, you know, what I could make a living off of. Um, mm. I had sort of forgotten that, you know, it kind of had gone by the wayside for me. And I thought, you know, I'm going to be a graphic designer. This is what I do now, you know? Right. And ultimately it was unfulfilling because, you know, in my, in my heart of hearts, I knew that I should be working with my hands and doing something a little bit more creative than graphic design. Um, but, but I wasn't aware of it until it actually happened. Right. Okay. Well, let's get into that. Cause 
obviously you said uh, from what I've read, like you you got a good job doing graphic design, and you were doing all right for yourself. Like you were good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was great. Uh, you know, I was I was making a good living, and mm-hmm. you know, worked with good people and good companies. So. I had everything that, you know, went into the formula for the American dream. <laughs> right, yeah. So so what was it specifically, and maybe you can just give us a little bit more of what what got you down so much about your day-to-day and and what really made you want to, to branch out and Let's to do something personal. else. <laughs> Let's get real personal here on the interesting hour. <laughs> Loosening up my necktie now. <laughs> Pouring the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So really it was everything about working in an office. I mean, I really from the get go didn't feel like I could be myself there. Um, it was just a really gray drab environment. Uh, I was still working in a computer and sitting for nine hours a day. Um, there are so many rules about when you had to be here and when you had to leave and how much you could talk to someone and what you had to do during the day. Like that sort of structure is just really not, it doesn't promote creativity at all. And so like, I really felt like my creativity was drowning in that environment and it resulted in me no longer being passionate about graphic design. Um, not that I was ever super, super passionate in the first place, but I, mm. I enjoyed it and I could have done it for a career, but really the environment that I was in. Um, and I think that a lot of graphic designers are in, especially in-house graphic designers that don't work for agencies, which was the case with me. Um, it's just really hard to maintain creativity. Um, you know, I even brought a fancy chair into my cubicle and they told me I had to take it home. You no. know, it was very, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Very, uh, yep. This chair isn't up to the standards of everybody else's chair. What do you mean? This is ergonomic. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't conforming to our needs. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was sad. And, you know, at the end of the day, it still was a desk job and, mm-hmm. uh, I just wasn't really allowed to be that creative. And the way that I think most corporate offices are run, it's just not for creatives. And so mm. I really, everything in my life besides my job was so wonderful and shiny and fluffy and pink and delicious. <laughs> and that Except comes through your work, that. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and so I really, I thought, okay, well, this is what life is. You know, you work for, everybody's working for the weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was just something that I had to power through and muscle through. Um, and I had really resigned myself to that. I thought, okay, this is just what I do while I'm not living the rest of my life in order to fund the rest of my life. Um, and I didn't for a long time know that anything was wrong for, with that. I just thought that was what you did. Because I think that that's what a lot of people are taught now. A or at lot least, of people. You know, I think we're getting better at that, um, you know, in the last like probably 15 years or so. Uh, I think that from my parents' generation and seeping into mine a little bit because that's what they were taught is that work was just something that you did to provide for your family and for yourself. And it wasn't necessarily something that you were supposed to enjoy. So I had totally bought into that mm-hmm. and, uh, and decided that that was what I was going to do. <laughs> Uh, you, know, you you resonate on so many different levels with like I'm sure like myself included because like I was in the same thing I was just working like twelve ish hours a day uh, and I was just like and I still work twelve ish hours a day but like at least I'm doing my own stuff you know uh, and I, yeah it's just yeah I totally get where you're coming from that's uh it, it's uh, it's a little uh, draining. Yeah, yeah it's soul crushing. Yeah, it, it, you can't do much afterwards. <laughs> like you're like okay I just. I just clocked in an eight-hour day or a nine-hour day, whatever you're doing. 
And yeah, like, that's uh, what, you know, I think that's why so many people go to happy hour and like have to have drinks. And yeah. not that, like, <laughs> I like to go to happy hour and have drinks too, but you know, like I think it's part of even so much part of the culture. You know, it's like yeah. I, I really have to help some have something to help me unwind after all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with with that not really being what 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 you wanted to do with your life, you still said you got some things out of that job, out of that graphic design job. What what are some of those things, the positive things from that job that you've brought over into what you're doing now? Um, I mean, studying color theory was really good for me and, um, like the rule of thirds when you're making something, um, also being able to do my own graphic design. Um, so I don't have to hire someone to work on my website or make graphics for me or edit my photos. Like I am completely self-sufficient in that way, which is a really, really huge time and money saver. So just really a lot of the aesthetics, translate over to any kind of art that you want to do because in graphic design you learn art as a as a very technical sort of thing I think graphic design one of the official definitions is you know marrying words words to images and yeah. um, and deciding what is going to subliminally subliminally honestly make people feel a certain way and so having a foundation in that um, I think really, really helps my sculpting and those things come separate, second nature to me rather than having to actually think about them or study them you know, separately. So I really, even though graphic design wasn't, it wasn't my passion and I'm glad that I'm not uh, doing graphic design anymore as my main career, I am very, very thankful that I studied that and not only studied it, but did it for seven years before I started sculpting because really... It was the best path that I could have taken. Mm-hmm. So you definitely recommend that to other people. Like, go out, get experience in the real world, see see what that's like, see what you like, and go from there. You know, I guess I don't know. Like, <laughs> if I had gone into sculpting, mm-hmm. you know, if I if I had gone straight into sculpt, sculpting uh, when I was in college, I may be in a completely different and amazing place now. But I don't know. You know, I may have lost interest. I may not have mm-hmm. been as good because. I didn't have the graphic design background. I, I really can't tell you. Um, this is just happens to be my path. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, well, and that's it, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems to me like uh, a lot of people are either like, okay, well, it's one thing or the other, but you took this middle route. You're doing this job that you don't necessarily, your heart's not in it. Uh, 100%. But you started um, you started bringing the clay in that you would eventually be working with and starting your company with now. And you started bringing that everywhere you went, right? And, and you started doing that in the meantime while you still had this job, correct? Yes. So, um, so what happened was for, for a while I sort of like lost my creativity. And I think part of that was a function of um, having this job that really stifled my creativity. It didn't flow out of me after work because I was just so mentally exhausted from doing something that I didn't want to do in a setting that I didn't want to be in around, you know, people that were wonderful, friendly, great people, but didn't really understand where I was coming from. Different Um, mindset. Yeah. 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 Different mindsets. And so I, I just really kind of let all of that fall by the wayside Um, and then I met a really great friend who was very, very prolific in their own personal and, uh, career driven art career or art, you know, artistic 
creativity, what, what have you. Mm-hmm. And um, they really encouraged me to start picking up um, different creative mediums again. So I started drawing and painting and, you know, we did all kinds of fun little things like that. And I just had this overwhelming urge to pick up some clay because, I, like I said, I'm a really tactile person. I really love textures. I like squishy things. I really like feeling things. Um, and so I decided to pick up some clay and as soon as I got some and started working with it, I was like, Oh my God, like this is, this is what I need to be doing. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did, I took it with me everywhere. I had a little like Tupperware box and when I would go to friends houses and we would just be hanging out, I'd be, you know, poking around my clay and doing this and doing that. And I'd have other people play with clay and, you know, try to get other people involved. Man, you must've been someone to take to a party. <laughs> <laughs> Come check out this clay. Come over here. I mean, let's you make something. Is I, I definitely like like to have people over and generally at parties at my house now, like as things sort of wind down, people will sculpt. And it's really, really cool because it's something that I can share with people. And um, another thing that my friend taught me, which was really kind of a cool, a cool little um, I don't know, theory or whatever that he had was he likes to have people over and send them home with something that they've made, like something that they've created or co-created, which is really cool. Like that's, I think that that's a really interesting and neat thing to live by because, uh, you know, if you're helping someone else be creative and you can send them home with something that they made that they weren't expecting to do that I think enriches all of you. I love that. That's so, it's like a goodie bag that you made on your own. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to adopt that and it really is. It's very satisfying, very satisfying way to spend your time. I think I might steal that. That's a that's a that's a good uh, hosting bit. <laughs> You're gonna start giving people paintings. Well, Justin, every time you come over for like you know recording an episode, finger paints. Yeah, I'm gonna have like a painting <laughs> station for you or something. All right, deal. Like, yeah, <laughs> Dude, seriously, you should. It is it is awesome. People love it. That's awesome. I love that. I, I think that's a fantastic idea. Your friend's brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely yeah. brilliant. So okay, so. You're, you're doing this and you're dabbling in both of these things and then something very important in your life happened. Um, Clay. It seemed very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, so can you explain to us what, what happened with the whole, the, the Bob's Burgers deal and the, and the figures you made and how that was found out and what, I, what exactly went down? Yeah, there? how did you start snowballing? Like, okay. Yeah, your career. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Well, um, I think really the the first point to make is that I started to share the things that I made on Instagram. And it wasn't like I thought that I was making these giant, amazing sculptures. And I was like, wow, I'm this brand new up and coming sculptor. And I'm going to put this on Instagram and become really famous. Like I was just kind of tinkering around and making these little things. And I've always been so many posts like my my comings and goings on Instagram and social media. And so I just kind of posted things like, Oh, this is what I'm doing right now. And people started responding to that. And so I started posting more and putting hashtags, um, which are really, really important on Instagram, especially if you're trying to get noticed. So I started hashtagging my sculptures with kind of what it was and polymer clay and this and that. And, um, I ended up making Louise from Bob's Burgers. She's my favorite character. She's the one with the little pink bunny hat. And I made her into a snail. Uh, a lot of people ask me why, and that is not something that I can answer. It's just something that kind of... <laughs> <laughs> something right. in the recesses of your mind just needed to see her as a snail. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's just sort of how my brain works. Like I really don't know where I get my ideas from. They just sort of come to me. Um, so I made her as a snail. 
I, I put the hashtag Bob's Burgers and, you know, Louise Belcher and all that stuff. And Bento Box Entertainment, who makes Bob's Burgers, found that and they liked it and they posted a comment on that. And so I decided to make the whole family out of snails. And they found that and they <laughs> posted it on all their social media. They posted it on their Instagram, on their Tumblr, on their Facebook. And, uh, and so that got me a lot of exposure. And uh, they actually contacted me and they bought two sets of them, which you can now see them when you walk into both of their studios in California. It's like the first thing you see when you walk in there. That's so. incredible. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> it's really cool. They put them in like this big glass box with my name and they put grass in the bottom. It's on a podium. Like it's so cool. I feel it is just, I'm falling all over myself about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm struggling between two questions. I got both of them. Uh, I'm about to throw in a question if you don't have one. Do it. All go right. for it. <laughs> so you got Bob's Burgers. That happened. Like, how did you know how much your work was worth when they wanted to buy it? Like, I commissioned you to just get those things. And going forward, like, how did you put value to it? Like, how did you put a cost to it? Uh, that was I. I don't even know. Like that. Uh, what happened in those like three to seven days of madness um, is all kind of a blur to me. It was all very reactionary rather than proactive. Mm -hmm. um, so after the Bob's Burgers things happened, uh, BuzzFeed found me and they asked if they could do a write-up on me. And that is when everything really exploded. I mean, after Bento Box reposted me on Instagram, like I got a lot more followers and stuff like that, but not anything compared to when BuzzFeed reposted or uh, BuzzFeed wrote the article on me. Um, and so pricing my work was just sort of like, eh, I guess about this much per hour, maybe <laughs> and it was, I was definitely, I wasn't charging much at first. That's for sure. Uh, but also I was still learning to sculpt. And so I didn't really have a lot of confidence in myself to be able to make and sell these things. Um, even though people were seeing my work and they were wanting to buy it and they were wanting mm -hmm. to commission things, I had only been actually sculpting for about a month and a half. So I was teaching myself wow. how to sculpt while I was selling my sculpture. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. But even though, even though you yeah. were doing it for like a small amount of time, like I, f I feel like a bunch of different artists like struggle with that same thing, you know, like they're good at something and they have, you know, a talent. But then when it comes down to actually being adamant about getting paid for your talents, it's so hard for so many people. Like, how do you get over that? Like, how, what's, what's the best way to get over that and actually putting value to yourself and your work? You know, I don't think you ever do. Um, it's something that I have definitely struggled, struggled with for the past several years. Um, but it's just something you have to kind of grit your teeth and do. You know, mm -hmm. it's one of those things. Maybe, you know, I've only been doing this for what, like two and a half years now, not even. Uh, maybe it's something that will come after five years or 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. But really, what a lot of people have told me is, first of all, like charge for your time and your materials and then like give yourself a little bit of markup. Uh, but then what that markup is, is, is terrifying. You know, you have to find the balance of what people will pay for something what you can make a living off of and not underselling yourself, but also keeping it like, like I said, keeping it low enough that people will actually pay for it. And that's kind of, that kind of comes with like making a name for yourself. You know, if you, if you aren't very well known, then people might not necessarily pay for you. But once you start getting a little bit more popular, like you kind mm -hmm. of have to back you up. So 
that is a really complicated question. Um, and I think that one that a lot of artists struggle with, like you said. Mm -hmm. So Bob's Burgers was a huge inspiration for you. Um, and I'm just kind of nerding out when I was looking through (laughs) your, uh, (laughs) your website and everything. I saw the, uh, the, uh, Jake and, uh, Rainicorn. Wait, what was what's her name? No, I'm blanking. Lady Rainicorn. Yeah. Lady Rainicorn. Yeah. <laughs> and their their little family with Jake all around them. That was just amazing. Like, what what <laughs> what other shows do you like? Are you uh are you a big Adult Swim fan or? Um... Yeah, I I really love I really love Adventure Time. I like Bee and Puppy Cat. I like Rick and Morty. There it Bob. is. Yeah, I was there hoping that one would be dropped. <laughs> I was hoping that name would be dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I really love. And like any and all cartoons, especially like the new kind of weird ones. Um, yeah, I take I take inspiration from from all those things. Yeah. Are there any uh, Are there any chances we might be seeing some little Rick and Morty figures coming up in the future? Oh yeah, or? I um I actually this this last year I made a set of Rick and Morty snails. So it was Rick Morty in summer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. On Instagram, you'll see those, but those are all sold out now. So I have to decide what what cartoon family I'm going to do next for, for the snails for this year. <laughs> so how, how long does it take you to make one, let's just say snail, like one like character? Um, well, okay. So with snails, it's a little bit different because I'm making a likeness. And so I have to make it as absolutely close to the character as possible because the human eye really, really sees um, discrepancies in faces. We are mm-hmm. we are attuned to recognize faces, and so if the eyes are a little too big, or a little too far apart, or the nose is a little too large, like it's not going to look like the character. So mm-hmm. it takes a little bit longer to do snails. So like like an hour and a half, two hours, something like that for one of the snails. Wow. Okay. And do you only usually make one set of these things, or you make like a few, and then however limited run you have. Um, well, so for, <laughs> that's another, that's another question of balance that I have been struggling <laughs> So, um, when I first started, uh, sculpting, I was just doing commissions because I, you know, like I said, didn't really even mean to become a sculptor and have this career. And so I was just reacting to people asking if I could make them X or Y. And so I was making everything one at a time, which takes a lot longer because, you know, I do the research of, you know, what, what does a beaver eating a ear of corn look like? Or what does an ear of corn look like? What does a beaver look like? How do they hold things? So I have to go research something and, uh, and then I have to make a rough draft and then I sculpt that. And so making one thing at a time definitely takes a lot longer, but in order for me to make like, you know, six things of this at once, I have to either know that I have six customers lined up that want this. So I have to do a pre-order or just kind of like take a shot in the dark that, Oh, I think that six people are going to want this. And so I make them and I sell them. So Right now, um, it's kind of a balance between, you know, making one thing and posting it somewhere like on Instagram or Facebook or on my website and taking pre-orders from it or for it. And um, and then actually just making, you know, a line of 10 things and seeing if they sell. And both both ways definitely work. And so it's 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 both really. (laughs) (laughs) So you you're not at any point are you um you're not doing like molds of this stuff and and making them that way. These are all they're all handmade by you, correct? Yes, everyone is handmade by me. I have all of the equipment and supplies to start making molds. So what I'll be doing is um, making a silicone mold and casting things in resin and then painting them. That is not something that I have started. 
Um, and it's definitely not going to be the majority of my business. I think part of um, part of what my customers like and what I like is that everything is handmade. It's a one of a kind little piece that right. is made for you. I mean, molding and casting is similar, but mm-hmm. you know, it has a little bit more of a mass produced feel, even though it is still handmade. But right. it will be kind of a different line. Yeah. That well, I just I feel like you know because you're getting so popular now, it's like. <laughs> it's almost like the the lower end version of what you do for the masses, you know, that can't get the the you know the actual one sculpt. So you you think you might be doing that in the future, making little molds and making smaller runs of maybe your more popular characters, more commercialized, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So that's an interesting question. Um, I actually, and this is not something I've really ever talked about with anyone else in sort of a public manner. You heard it here um, first, people. <laughs> <laughs> heard it here first. <laughs> scoop on Simon. Says Macy. So, um, <laughs> about a about a year ago, um, I was at a convention. I was I was hawking my sculpture at a convention called DesignerCon. Oh, um, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt you really quick just to say that my the I run I manage a toy shop in uh, in Glendale. Uh-huh. What? Yes, and. Awesome. My my boss is the owner of DesignerCon. So that guy you heard t- speaking over the loudspeaker the whole time, that's like yeah. my actual boss. Like, <laughs> and, and I was there at DesignerCon in my own booth and probably had walked by your stuff at some point and probably seen you there. So I'm just oh, like... That's super cool. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say small world, but yes, do go, go on. Go on. Sorry, Mason. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's really neat. Um, so yeah, DesignerCon, uh, I was approached by a man who wanted to go into business with me bringing the Japanese culture of gotcha to the United States. So what gotcha is are basically the little like vending machines that you get capsules out of. Here you see a lot of like sticky hands and bouncy balls and stickers yeah, and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Over in Japan it's a lot uh, a lot more involved they have whole stores full of these vending machines or capsule machines, yeah. if you will. <laughs> they go crazy and, with it. Like yeah. Japanese always take the one thing that's really simple and take it to the <laughs> ultimate extreme. I love the Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so he wants to bring that. It's kind of his pet project. He wants to bring that culture to the United States. And so he brought me on to sculpt all the lines of this. So what we're working on now is I have been creating a whole bunch of different lines and that has been a really amazing creative project because I have been driving what those lines are going to be and we are looking into getting them manufactured and bringing these lines of, uh, of capsules to different cons and festivals uh, in different places starting this summer. And so they will all be, kind of Simon says Macy things. Some of them will be licensed characters. Some of them will be things that I created on my own, but they will be, you know, a couple dollars for these different little mass produced, cute little, uh, capsule toys. Uh, so that is definitely a way that I will be able to reach an audience that can't necessarily afford, uh, creation. So that is a new project that is up and coming. Really haven't even posted on Instagram about that, but we're really, really excited about it. Wow, that is awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. Like I think like one of the best parts of that is is it sounds like they kind of they saw your artwork and they're like, okay, this girl knows what she's doing. Look at that. And then they no imperfections on the faces. (laughs) This is fantastic. Yeah. So and they they kind of gave you free reign to do creatively what you wanted with a few different characters. 
Yeah, yeah, with with anything that I want. So, and he um, he's worked with he's worked with Marvel in the past and knows how to get licensing and has manufacturers. Wow. So he is all kind of like the back end part of that. And I am sort of making, you know, we're gonna we're gonna test the lines of what I make and see you know see how I did and see what people are drawn to and what lines work and what don't and kind of go from there. So really, really uh, hashtag blessed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, so so from going to a school in another district to today, you got some interesting clients. I wanted to just dive into that. You were already talked about Bob's Burgers. Uh, you're talking about this, you know, mass distribution through like you know in Japan. <laughs> um, what else are you doing? Like, what other clients have you had? Like, Justin wasn't taken back by a, I think a National Geographic commission. You got going on. Yeah, so I did a I did a whale shark for a National Geographic researcher, which was really really cool. Her sister commissioned it for her. Um, she studies whales and sharks, so it was appropriate. And I think the whale shark was her favorite. That's great. Um, I've also done a commission for a NASA geologist. So really? yeah, and she's working on the Mars project. And so um, I what I did for her was I made a little anthropomorphic Mars head. So the head of this little creature was Mars. And oh, then his nice. body was the new approved NASA spacesuit. So for the Mars. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. Oh, that's so cool. You just made me geek out on air. <laughs> that's kind of awesome. I love space and science and all of that. So I was super, super geeking out on that as well. And, um, and then most recently, I and this hasn't even been mailed out yet, but Ooh. I have made Rachel Ray's dog, um, and so that will be given to her in the next few weeks. She didn't actually commission it herself; um, one of the people on her team did. So that will be given to her, and I was real excited to be able to do that as oh, well. That so is great. Kind of the more cool high profile clients. <laughs> and so for something like that, that's that's a one off. You made the one, and that's that's done, right? That's something yes, very specific yes. for somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do a lot of pet portraits, and those are generally one-offs, unless that per- particular person, like the person who commissioned Rachel Ray's, wanted three of her own dog, you know, to give to various family members. So, you know, I made three duplicates of hers, and then, oh, okay. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. So, so every every job you get is commission-based. So, like, is the price, like, varies, or, like, when you have, like, a small batch of something... How much do they yeah, sell for? How does it, it that work? Yeah, it varies. It varies. So commissions have generally have like a, a base starting point um, for, you know, the kind of baseline amount of time and effort that I think it's going to take. And then they vary from there depending on the size and the detail of the project. So, um, so yeah, so that has one sort of pricing structure. And then if I'm making a line of something, like say um, I just released for Valentine's Day these little two little cacti that are hugging each other in the same pot that kind of make a heart. Aww. and I did a, a pre-order of those for Valentine's Day and I can keep the price lower for those because I'm making them after I get the pre-order say like you know 15 people order it I can make it sort of assembly line style right I can like all, piece by piece doing like all yeah. the eyes at the same time or something and, exactly I can okay. make all the I can mix all the clay for the pots and I can make mix all the clay for the different colors of cacti and I make those kind of in bulk and then I can put them together so those take a lot less time individually um, like if you, if you separate out how much time it make, takes to make each one rather than a commission, which is a completely one-off thing, which a lot of research goes into a rough draft goes into like, so when I'm making one thing, the same amount of, the same amount of 
pre-steps go into that one commission as do a whole line of 15 things. And so really it cuts down on the time a lot if I'm making a line. Mm -hmm. And generally like uh, when people request this, like what, what sizes are you working with? Like these look just by looking at the pictures, they kind of look really tiny to me. Like, am I, am I seeing that right? Or are they uh, like, what, what is generally the size? Um, like when say someone asks for a pet portrait, it's usually around three inches tall. Right. Okay. Um, some other things, like I have these little things called frog muffins that are kind of like squatty and shorter. They're about like an inch and a half. Mm-hmm. I think my largest piece that I've ever done was about eight and a half inches tall. Okay. Was that a commission too? Yep. That was a commission. Um, it was a little castle guardian. It was like kind of a, like, uh, what do you call it? Like the, the turret of a castle with the little battlements on the top. Mm-hmm. It's a little... It was a little uh, angry castle turret. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So when you're having like these one-offs and stuff like that, you're doing like the prep work. You're saying like you you have to draft it out. Type. What what tools are you using? Like, are, what kind of programs are you using? What uh, but like, what digital and physical tools are you using when you're doing like a job? So the first thing that I do is like say, um, uh, let's see. So say I'm making, I guess the, the, the cactus, the cactus that I just did for Valentine's day. Yeah. So the thing that I do is I research cacti and succulents and I kind of see, you know, what they look like and what the different colors are and what the different configurations are. And then I kind of boil it down to like, how can I make a cactus out of clay? Like, obviously I can't, well, not obviously, but it's hard. <laughs> to uh it's hard for me to make little spikes out of out of clay because they'd be really delicate so i have to decide how i can make a cactus in a way that would be um that would stand up physically to being mailed or handled um and then what i do is i do sketches and i just take out my pen and paper and i do thumbnail sketches and decide how i want to configure it what sort of uh um lost my words like what structure i like the best um Mm -hmm what it's going to look like basically. Yeah. Uh, then I do a rough draft. Like I have a whole bag of just scrap clay. So I do a rough draft, uh, out of just like, you know, poo clay basically. And <laughs> is that the technical term? Poo clay. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you mix it all together, it's brown. It's always brown. It's like oh, that's so color. funny. <laughs> <laughs> poo clay. Yeah. That's going to be in the episode title. I think the interesting hour with poo clay. <laughs> so I do your commission out of poo first. <laughs> That's awesome. Very hygienic. And, um, you know, generally I do a couple of rough drafts on my favorite thumbnail sketches. Um, those are really, really quick, 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 quick sort of rough drafts. I call them Sculpey sketches. Um, Sculpey and sketches. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. In front of me when I make the final product. So I make the Sculpey sketch um, as, as, um, one-to-one ratio as I can with the final product that I'm going to make. Because then after that, I have to start mixing the clay and the actual colors that I'm going to use. And most of my sculptures have a tinfoil core, um, with a wire armature underneath them. Mm-hmm. Um, polymer clay should only really ever get up to a quarter to a half an inch thick. And so obviously my, um, sculptures are a little bit thicker than that. And so I put a tinfoil core underneath them, uh, so they don't crack or explode in the oven. Hmm. Um, so I have to first make the sculpture sort of out of tinfoil and wire, and then I sculpt around that. So really, um, the only digital process that happens before I actually start sculpting is really just um, looking up reference pictures of the things that I'm going to make just to give myself a little better idea of how things are formed, especially 
if it's a, an animal or a creature, I want to make sure like I know how the leg folds and you know what the nose looks like. And I want to make it look as anatomically correct as possible with, within the simplified sort of cartoonish style that I do. So do you always have like a finished idea in your head? Like before you start sculpting? Not always, you know, um, I sometimes just kind of pick up clay and go, uh, more recently I have been sketching things out and I am finding that it makes for a better finished product. Honestly, mm -hmm. um, I first started sculpting, um, the things that I could sculpt and the things that I could draw were very different. So I would draw a picture and I just didn't have the sculpting skills to necessarily make all the little nuances of that drawing yet. And so it was frustrating to me. And so I just sort of picked up clay and started sculpting. Now that I have more skills and I have made a very, very wide variety of things, I have more confidence in that what I can draw, I can also sculpt. Not to say that my sketches are fantastic or anything. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, can you get this on your website? Like, <laughs> you, do you, maybe this is a new avenue for you. Maybe you should be posting these sketches. <laughs> I can draw. I can draw pretty well. But if I was actually to like render out an entire like drawing of your sculpture before I made it, you'd be paying a, a higher premium for that drawing. So And there's <laughs> the value she puts to her work. You see that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> That's cool. As low as possible. <laughs> yeah, so you pretty much need Google and some talent, and then that's pretty much where you go from there. Mix them together in a big pot. And yeah, you got you got some yeah. sculpts. You got you got snails. You got cacti. <laughs> <laughs> you got whales. <laughs> now after I now after I sculpt, um, I take a, I take pictures with my iPhone. I am I am a purist. I'm an iPhone purist. I have tried using DSLRs and tripods and all that stuff, but I have found that I don't take nearly as many pictures. So I just have sucked it up and realized that in order to do this, I am going to go for speed and the fact that iPhone has a pretty good camera now. There so I is. have a light box and a phone and, um, and then I take my pictures. Sometimes I take my pictures into Photoshop, especially if they need a lot of reworking. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I use Photoshop to edit the colors and saturation and levels and those sort of things. Take it into Illustrator to put some text over the top of it, especially if it's a pre-order or if I'm doing a giveaway or something like that plop it back into my phone, put it in Instagram and then hashtag the crap out of it. Nice. You, you're, you're a, you're a one woman stop like shop. You're just doing everything yourself. PR, you're making your product, you're building yep. a business. Well, <laughs> and, and so, and just to make it clear to everyone, you're, you're working from home. Yes. Yeah. You have like a little studio in your home, like to make all your stuff and yep. or, what percentage of your time working at home? Are you doing it in your pajamas? Cause that's living the dream. <laughs> That's what I want to know. That's the real American question to ask. <laughs> Are you wearing pajamas? 100%. Yes, there that's what is. I wanted to hear. <laughs> that's when you know you've truly made it. I put on new pajamas. I work all day. <laughs> I put on different pajamas to go to bed sometimes. This is and amazing. And then I repeat it all again the next day. The only time that I actually change out of pajamas is if I'm leaving the house. And <laughs> even then, my out-of-the-house wardrobe has definitely veered more towards lounge clothes. Than <laughs> These are my fine dining pajamas. <laughs> living in the I'm currently in pajamas. I have to admit that I'm currently in pajamas. I there love it. it. There it is. Dude, living in the American dream. That's what it's supposed to be. It's We're amazing. redefining what the American dream is, you know, <laughs> right based from the 50s <laughs> or the 40s. It's completely different today. <laughs> it's completely different. So... One another question I had is uh, a lot of creative people go through the funk of 
Uh, and maybe it's different for you because you're getting a lot of commissions and you're being asked for specific things. But when you're creating just your own figures and, and venturing into your own brain, do you ever get stuck? And uh, if you ever do get stuck, how do you overcome that? Hmm. Well, you know, I think it's part of the ebb and flow of the creative process. Generally, my brain just wants to create, create, create. It's like a geyser that just like is kind of exploding in the form of clay. Um, but occasionally, occasionally it'll stop. Um, that those are the times when I have anxiety or am second guessing myself, which is also part of the creative process and something that, um, all the artists that I've ever talked to have said that they go through as well. And so when you start, you know, comparing yourself to other people or starting to question if you really should be doing this, that is the time when those sort of creative blocks start to happen. Um, really just working through it is all I can say. I mean, I wish that I could say that I do X and Y and suddenly I feel creative again. I think getting outside helps. Uh, that's maybe one thing that helps me because I spend a lot of my time inside now. I work uh, most of the time from when I wake up until I go to bed. So Are you I'm spending outside. it outside? No, I'm not outside. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought you said you like went outside to sculpt. <laughs> so a change of scenery helps a lot. Um, okay. But really, I think that working through it is the best thing that I can say or that I can suggest for people who are having a creative block. Um, sometimes putting the project that you're currently working on down and just kind of letting yourself be loose with something. Mm -hmm. um, creative blocks also sometimes come when you know that you're making an end product that you're trying to promote or sell or have to give to someone. So if you give yourself time to just be creative for yourself, that mm -hmm. actually helps a lot. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I don't really have time to have creative blockages. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably on deadlines. Yeah. You're probably running on deadlines. You got to go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, well, it's less deadlines. Well, I guess deadlines for, you know, like paying rent. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You got to make ends meet somehow. Yeah, exactly. You got to put exactly. food on the table. <laughs> yeah, need to eat. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. I really think that kind of just switching gears a little bit, like going outside for a little while or um, making something that's completely for yourself and not thinking about, um, not thinking about putting the end product anywhere. I think that I sometimes get caught up in thinking that everything that I have to make and everything that I make has to be then a finished product that I put on Instagram or that I eventually sell. And for a while I was doing that and that really kind of started sucking the creativity out of it. You know, it wasn't just like my creative flow happening anymore and it was more, I was commercializing my own creativity. And I think that that can be very stifling. So remembering that you don't have to hold every project precious um, is important. Right. All right. So we're coming down to the end here and I got a question for you about what was the, uh, the hardest part and the best part about making that transition when you actually quit quit your job and then you went full time into doing what you wanted to do, making these skulls. Simon says Macy. Simon says Macy. <laughs> <laughs> um the best part has definitely been finding new confidence in myself as an artist. Um and with that has brought a lot of gratification and self-worth because I think that I definitely get a lot of that from what I can offer creatively, which is not something that I realized before. And so that was also probably a part of why my job was so stifling because I wasn't really creative at creating anything that I was very proud of. 
Um, and also having the freedom to travel when I want and work when I want. Like sometimes I work until 2 a.m. and I don't get up until 10 a.m. You know, I can, I can really work whenever mm-hmm. creativity strikes me or when my creative flow is happening. Um, so that's really, really nice. The hardest part is definitely running all the back business end. Uh, as an artist, and I, I guess it's hard to pigeonhole all artists into that, but it's it's just not my forte, you know, doing accounting and and learning how to promote myself and marketing and stuff like that. And so that has been a difficult part of of being independent. I, I don't think I think it's safe to say that most artists have no interest in doing that side of things. Yeah. They just want to create. <laughs> I yeah. don't, I, don't think, exactly. I think that's pretty safe to say. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's funny. So, Macy, where can people buy some of your work? Well, I have a website. It's simonsaysmacy.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, all my latest work, if you want to see like kind of my up to up to date day to day sort of workflow, is on Instagram, which is also Simon Says Macy. Or you can email me directly at Simon Says Macy at gmail.com. But if you go to my website, there is a, a submission form that you can you can fill out. Awesome. And I guess the most important question is like, we should just have a t- conversation about how you can make us into characters for the interesting hour. <laughs> I don't know if you want to do snails or I don't, I'm not sure. I would love to make you guys into snails. <laughs> we have these little caricatures in our artwork and I'm thinking you could cutesify the hell out of them. <laughs> I could definitely make you guys into some pretty cool snails. Yeah. Just, just market us properly. Like, I don't know how else to get the message clear to people. So we, we, we need your creative touch. So, all right. So look out for our submission form in the very near future. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So Macy, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, we know you're busy and uh you're you know skyping in from home so from another state we're in los angeles and uh yeah so thank you yeah thanks so much i didn't think that uh you know uh, that coming on here and talking about art and graphic design would be so inspiring but that was pretty awesome it's macy mckinney beautiful you were mistaken it's macy mckinney she was on air today (laughs) what were we thinking check out her tedx talk what are you doing Justin? um so macy thanks thank you so much and i hope to talk to you again Well, thank you so much for having me. It was really great. Awesome. All right. Take care, Macy. So, Devesh, are you feeling inspired? Um, Yes. (laughs) No, I think what Macy has done is incredible. I'm sure her family is super proud of her. You know, she's standing on her own two feet. She's running her own company. Yeah. She's doing all the legwork for her own company. She's making her own, you know, business deals and such. And, uh, that just shows like what you can accomplish with the love and support of your family and just never giving up on your talent. She knew from a young age that she was an artist. Like yeah. there was no question. And that in itself is a very important step that we didn't touch on in the interview was trying to tell yourself like if you're going to do something, if you want to be a filmmaker, if you want to be a writer, if you want to be an artist, you just got to stomp your feet in the ground, like not like a little child, but stomp <laughs> sometimes like a little child. Sometimes you might need to, depending on your support system, but <laughs> you need to just say, this is what I want to do. This is who I am. Let's go about just doing it. Um, that is true in a lot of different facets in life. So, yeah. and I don't care how, uh, you know, she had something good going on. Like she had some things help her out along the way, but I don't care how secure you are. Like when, once you make the choice to to leave that nine to five and focus, that's a scary thing. So scary. So I give her props for that. Absolutely, man. It's you're you're leaving the security of consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, a routine to go into something that's going to be a different kind of routine if it's a routine at all. Mm-hmm. Um, working for yourself is terrifying. Like around you're you you are your own support system at that point. So it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of uh, leadership. I think. 
Yeah. And uh, she definitely has those qualities. So Macy, if you're still listening to this part, we appreciate you for being on the show and getting our listeners some insight into how you how you tick. Yeah. <laughs> so you rock those pajamas, girl. Yeah, that's right, Macy. Um, anyways, I hope that was insightful for all of our listeners. Um, and yeah, let's just wrap this up, man. This episode is brought to you by Core Foundation. Core Foundation is a multimedia nonprofit. Check us out at cor-foundation.org. And we're always looking to hear of any ideas you guys got. If you have yeah. any ideas for future episodes, please send them to us. Yeah, email us. Uh, you can go on Core's website to email us. You can go on any social media channels that we're on. We're on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Uh, our handle is the I Hour, as in the interesting hour, and also we're on Facebook as the interesting hour. Um, find us, man. Comment. We, we're on SoundCloud too. <laughs> we're on iTunes. We 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 love we, we love the love that we're getting on like like the ratings on iTunes. Like, thank you guys so much. Yeah, really yeah. appreciate it, guys. Yeah. So yeah, just keep coming, man. Give us ideas. We'll do it. If you have any questions too, if you know we're gonna have like a guest on the episode send it our way we'll ask for you yeah yeah so anyways on that note until next time until next time bye bye